From the studios of EWTN, this is Open Line with today's host, Father Mitch Pacwa. In North America, call toll-free 1-833-288-EWTN. That's 1-833-288-3986. Outside North America, call 1-205-271-2985 or send an email to openline at EWTN.com. You got a problem over there, old-timer? Well, actually it wasn't because I'm old. The people who used this headset before me are deaf! Oh, okay. Well, there you have it. (laughs) Welcome to EWTN's Open Line Wednesday. Father Mitch Pacwa, as you've heard, is in the house ready to take your phone calls. If you'd like to be part of the program, we'd love to have you. The number is 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. If you're outside the United States and Canada... Your number is 1-205-271-2985, and we'll even put you straight to the front of the line at 1-205-271-2985, and you can always send us an email. That email address is openline at EWTN.com. I'm Jack Williams. Charles Beery is our celebrity producer today. Um... Matt Dubensky is screening your telephone calls, and Ace McKay handling our social media efforts. So if you're watching us on uh, YouTube or Facebook Live, you can type a question into the chat window, and it may find its way to us by the end of the program. And our host, as he is every Wednesday, the very auditory, Father Mitch Pacwa. How are you? Well, now my ears are fine. (laughs) Okay, there you go. I'll have, to let Dr. I'll have to let Dr. Anders know he's deaf if he can hear me. Now, I, I've assumed over the years of being a priest that a number of you married men learn to acquire a certain deafness. I'm sorry, did you say something? Yeah. I, I'm not your wife. Come on. You heard me. You got some emails over there? Just saying. Yes, I do. Uh, This is, a couple of these are uh, from the past. Uh, Albert says, my bride and I recently had our honeymoon in Italy and at Venice at a major church for daily mass. We knelt to receive the Eucharist on the tongue, um, which we usually do uh, in America. Uh, The priest refused to give it to us on the tongue. We stayed kneeling in emotion repeatedly for us to get up or open uh, our hands. We refused and eventually submitted and gave it to us. My understanding is per canon law, a priest cannot refuse to give to the Eucharist to someone on the tongue. And I don't think canon law is different in Europe than it is in uh, America, nor does the bishop have uh, a right to override canon law in this regard. Am I wrong? Albert, um, you know, this is something that I, I remember Pope Benedict had made very clear. If somebody kneels or wants to receive on the tongue, uh, the priest should give it to them. Um, now, I, I would suspect that uh, Italy, where a lot of people uh, died of uh, COVID, there were a lot of COVID cases because of the links between the fashion industry in Italy and uh, some of the cloth industry in 
China. And there had been a number of planes that went directly from China to Milan and brought COVID. And a lot of people, including in um, uh, a number of religious houses, a lot of priests and religious died. And he may have been somewhat afraid because of that, um, that, that caution. You know, I want to give him the benefit of the uh, doubt on that. Uh, may have been concerned about his and other people's health, but um, you know, it, it, you know that's that's over, and um, you know we it, it is an option the the indult to receive in the hand was an indult, but not a command, except during COVID. Um, uh, and, and again, this is where in a lot of situations, people were very concerned uh, because they, um, uh, you know, don't want to pass on or get, uh, you know, viruses from other people. So that was the, the, the concern, I suspect. But as far as the liturgical elements, um this is something that, um, you know, we have a right to uh, receive communion in, in this country. Not every country can receive in the hand, by the way. That's not a universal indult, but it is something that um, uh, was po- <clears throat> uh, is possible in a number of countries, and it's an option. The other option to receive on the tongue remains valid. Then uh, Stacy asks, regarding the Ten Commandments, God provided the stone for the first set, but was this stone actually a sapphire stone, a stone from the throne of God? And was this stone actually a cube shape, not tablet shape? After Moses breaks the first set of laws, God tells them to bring or hew stones, and then God writes the laws Again, on those tablets, I assume the second set is hewn from ordinary rock. And are both the broken set and the second set contained in the Ark of the Covenant? Uh, First of all, the broken set uh, is not in the Ark, or was not in the Ark. Um, That it was only the complete set, the breaking of it, um, you know, you know, was a, 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 a sign that Israel had broken the covenant by breaking the first commandment, which was to have no other gods. And here they made golden calf. Um, I have never heard that uh, this was a s- sapphire or a stone from God's throne or anything like that. Um, I am completely unfamiliar with any tradition along those lines, um, you know, the, uh, about it being sapphire or uh, a heavenly th- stone or something like that. Um, I'd always assumed that it was a stone right there from Mount Sinai, which has very precious little 
of vegetation, but lots and lots of stone. And it is, it is stone, uh, mostly granite. Uh, so I assume that's what was used there. And then um, Casey asked, what is an indulgence? This refers to um, a remission of the punishment due to sin. And it is something, uh, it's for the temporal punishment due to sin, namely the penance that would be given. In the uh, early Middle Ages, the uh, Irish monks in particular uh, promoted uh, regular confession, uh, and they had books called the penitentiaries in which they would list the sins and the penalties for the sins. Some of them were very serious. Murder and adultery were 21 years on bread and water. An indulgence was uh, a remission of those that, of that time eating only bread and water. So when you see 300 days indulgence or 500 days indulgence or something like that, that was fairly common. It was not 500 days off of purgatory. There's no time in purgatory. But it was that uh, amount of time off of that fairly long penance of 21 years on bread and water. So that's what was going there. Okay, so um, uh, let's see. And we have time for one more? About a minute. Okay. Um, uh, in heaven, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the saints exist out of time. If that's true, why do the souls of the saved have to be stored, for lack of a better term, in Hades or limbo until Jesus uh, resurrected? I don't understand how there can be a sequence to events, but that sequence exists outside of time. I wonder if it's uh, uh, a different way of experiencing this. Um, here's, uh, you know, the souls of the dead could not go to heaven until Christ had opened up the door. They weren't really being stored, but they were dead. They could not enter heaven, so they were in this place called Sheol, or the prison, or Hades. So that's why that was there, necessary until Christ opened heaven. It's EWTN's Open Line Wednesday with Father Mitch Pacwa. This is Open Line on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. If you have a question, call 1-833-288-EWTN. That's 1-833-288-3986. Outside North America, call 1-205-271-2985. Or send us an email to openline at EWTN.com. Got a neat item to tell you about from EWTN's religious catalog, a version of Kazan and Christ the Teacher diptych. This beautiful diptych features an icon 
of Our Lady of Kazan and of Christ the Teacher. These icons fit snugly in a velvety midnight blue case with a clasp that closes securely for safe and easy travel. It's just over 14 inches by 8 inches when it's opened up, and the piece is made in Ukraine. It's available now at EWTNRC.com. They're offering free standard shipping on online orders of $75 or more. That is standard shipping in the continental U.S. only. Use the code FREE at Check out one open line for you at 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. First up today is Cesar, a first-time caller in Sioux City, Iowa, listening on Siouxland Catholic Radio. Cesar, you're on with Father Mitch. Hey, Father. How you guys doing? Fine, thank you. What can we do for you today? Um, honestly, uh, I'm kind of just struggling right now with... Uh, it's a relationship between me and my, uh, my mother and my daughter. She's uh, mm-hmm. having trouble uh, understanding how important it is for uh, for my daughter to have a relationship with her dad. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's only based off on the weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but I'm trying to change that. You know, I mm-hmm. want to be there more for her, uh, especially now that I'm getting closer to God. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm understanding that this is probably the second most important thing in my life. The first thing is obviously God. Uh, the whole thing in my life, mm-hmm. putting him ahead of myself, and then I'm behind him. And then uh, my daughter, and uh, I mean, we're, we're in my house where we pray before we eat, you know, we pray when we wake up before we go to bed. And uh, sure, I don't know, maybe just uh, I'm, I'm seeing if I've, I'm trying to understand or realize if God can help me. Uh, I don't know if I need to take her to court so she can understand how important this relationship is with, with me and then. Uh, uh, I mean, she's a great mom, you know, don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not saying nothing bad against her, but... Uh, let me ask you this, uh, are you divorced from her? We never got married or nothing. Okay, just... okay. All right, because that, that affects some of your rights, uh, I'm afraid, um, depending on the state and state law, you know, that, that varies from one state to another. Yeah, uh, Cesar, uh, there are a couple things... Um, one, uh, I, I think it's going to be very important for you to, uh, have or, or to develop a, um, uh, a better relationship with your daughter's mother. Um, she needs to know you better and what's in your heart. And, uh, a second thing is to communicate to her that, you know, the, one of the last issues, and, and I don't know, um, uh, one something I would just have as a little yellow alert, are there members of her family who would, you know, try, would encourage her to prevent you from seeing your daughter? You know, uh, do you know if her family is discouraging contact with you for some reason? That would be something to, you know, have a, uh, a an open relationship with your daughter's mom. And, you know, so that you can exchange what's in your hearts 
That's extremely important. And, you know, so that she also clearly understands what you want is the good of your daughter more than your own good. Uh, this is a very important element. Um, you may need to talk to a lawyer before you do anything in court. Um, speak to a lawyer so that you will know, according to the laws of the, your state, I assume Iowa, um, that you understand what rights you have as the father of a child and what, um, you know, is possible. Um, that would be extremely important uh, so that you have a, a, a solid legal basis, but also a better relationship with the mother of the child that you can base some trust, uh, personal trust, with each other and uh, make it clear that the reason I want that relationship is to be able to take better care of my daughter. That's what's on your heart. You know, this is one of the great things about fathers and daughters. Uh, daughters charm a man in a very special way. And, you know, it seems that she has won your heart. And this is uh, something that you need to let her mother understand better. Does that all make sense? Yes, it does, actually. Yeah. And, and if you can, I would even try to establish a better relationship with your, uh, the, the, the woman's parents and so that they are also supportive of you. That's what family is about, is uh, relationships uh, with God and with each other. And this is something that would be worth pursuing. God bless you, Cesar. We will keep you in our prayers. Next up is Thomas, a first-time caller in Chicago, Illinois, listening on Sirius XM Channel 130. Thomas, you're on with Father Mitch. Hey. Uh, what part of Chicago are you from? Uh, actually, uh, from the north side, uh, actually Lake Geneva, Milwaukee, the whole area. I, I worked on a railroad when I first got out of high school okay. on Milwaukee Road. Oh, I'm Milwaukee. Okay. I know you're Polish and from the south side of Chicago. No, north side. I'm a north side. Oh, okay, okay. All Augusta and Kedzie. What's that? Augusta and Kedzie. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know it well. Okay. Hey, right. listen, uh, when you get a chance, um, look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus said in Matthew 15 that he didn't come to uh, He wasn't even talking to us. He was talking to his people, Israel. He came for his own Israel people, Jewish people. And then you look, uh, compare that with uh, Romans 5 and 6. Paul says salvation is a free gift eight times, including Ephesians 2. Eight times, count them all. Yeah. So what I'm saying is a dispensational change took place when uh, Paul got saved. That's what, that's, it's uh, a mystery to most people in most churches. Most churches don't see it, including uh, Protestant, uh, you name it, Mormon, uh -huh. Pentecostal. They, uh, salvation's free, and it says, but now... Also, three times in uh, Romans, but now it is no more of works, no more law. So uh, the salvation was a, a mixture of works and faith in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now it's faith alone. 
by grace. Yeah, see, that's actually not true. When you take a look also at the letter of James, which seems to have been written even after Paul, and James uh, says very clearly in chapter 2 that you are not justified by faith alone. In fact, that passage in James 2 is the only time in the whole Bible that it mentions being justified by faith alone, where those words are explicitly there. You are justified by faith alone. The only time that that is found in the Bible is in James, and it adds the word not, that you are not justified by faith alone. And when you take a look, uh, Paul does not begin a new dispensation. St. Paul can't start a, a dispensation. As he himself says in Corinthians, you know, I didn't save you. Jesus Christ is the only one who saves us, and he begins a new dispensation. And I think you're setting up um, and a very incorrect uh, uh, you know, notion here that there's a new dispensation with Paul. He never says you're justified by faith alone. He says you're justified by faith. He also say, hope now saves you. And First Peter chapter 3 says, uh, baptism now saves you. I mean, and Jesus our Lord said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you cannot have life, uh, eternal life. Um, there, there is a lot more to it. I'd recommend you take a look at my book, Saved, uh, to see that the Bible is much more rich and it's got a lot more in it. Yeah, we are justified by faith. And it is a free gift. The Catholic Church has taught that from the beginning and still teaches it. It's a free gift. But even the, the ability to do the good works that we do are themselves a free gift of God. God gives us the grace to do those uh, good works. So we're not even doing those on our power. That's why St. James says that you need to do good works and that you are not justified by faith alone. So uh, I would just add this. Martin Luther added the word alone, uh, saved by faith alone, and he also added, you are saved only by faith. He put the word only in his translation, nur by Glauben, and then by Glauben alleine. He added the words alleine and nur in his German translation, but they weren't there. And he even admitted uh, when there was a Dr. Link who had written him and said, there's no manuscript, there's no word in Greek to indicate that. Uh, 
And he said, well, it is so because Dr. Martin Luther says it is so. No, no, no. Nobody can change the words of the Bible. We are servants of the Word of God, and we accept it as God's inspired Word without adding or subtracting from it. 833-288-EWTN. That's our toll-free number, 833-288-3986. Straight ahead, we'll talk to Phil in Illinois, Joe in Ohio, Christina in Dallas, Texas, Steve in Spokane, Washington, and we've got plenty of time for your calls as well. 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. It's Open Line Wednesday with Father Mitch. This is Open Line on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Back to the phones we go. Paul is in the great state of Illinois listening at EWTN.com. Paul, you're on with Father Mitch. Hello, Father. Hi, what can we do for you? Hey, uh, first of all, thank you for taking my call, and I'm a longtime listener and a first-time caller. Great to have you with us. I have two questions. Number one is uh, who selects the mass reading? Mm-hmm. And, um, I know that, uh, uh, and how are they selected? And I know that the thing that we have all the, all over the world, mm-hmm. but uh, it's like a tie, a common theme to these. Uh, I know the gospel reading, the Psalms, and and how are they selected? And who? Okay, first of all, there is a liturgical commission in Rome. There's there's a dicastery that is uh, like a cabinet office in charge of uh, sacred rites. You know, that is re- referring to uh, the celebration of the sacraments. And there was a commission back in the 60s that made a decision. I, I, I don't know. How old are you, Paul? I'm uh, 64. All right. So you're just a little too young. When I was a kid, uh, we had a one-year cycle of readings. The readings were chosen centuries ago. They were what was used in Rome on a one-year cycle. In the 60s, they decided to go for a three-year cycle for Sunday readings and a two-year cycle for daily Mass. And the goal was to include as much of Scripture as possible in the daily Uh, and Sunday readings of Mass. The first goal was to go through all four Gospels. And though there's a year for Matthew, Mark, and Luke, there's not a year for John, but John's Gospels are read, especially during Lent, uh, 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 especially in the first cycle, but they, they'd be especially focused on Lent. And then in the Easter season, we read from John's Gospel a lot. Uh, 
So that's when, and then, uh, like for instance, this is the year for Mark, Mark's gospel, the shortest. But in the summertime, after Mark tells us the story of the multiplication of loaves and fish, then we go into the discourse in John's gospel about the uh, bread of life. So that'll be there too. So John's is included in the cycle, but this cycle's made after the others. Then they choose readings on Sunday so that the first reading is connected with the gospel. So there'll be an Old Testament reading or sometimes from Acts of the Apostles or the Book of Revelation, and those readings will be connected with the theme of the gospel, a prediction of what happens in the gospel, for instance, fairly common. The second reading goes through the cycle of St. Paul's epistles, and they try to work their way through the epistles of Paul and the other apostles uh, as the second reading. And that's not necessarily connected to the gospel, but it makes sure that we go through the majority of St. Paul's readings. That's the goal. On weekdays, same. In each year, no matter what, we cover all three gospels on the daily readings. And then uh, with the, the alternating years, year one and year two, year one is always in an odd year, uh, number and year two in the evening. So this is year two in 2024. And we'll be going through Old Testament reading, just following the Old Testament in sequence, whether it's the history books or the prophets or the wisdom books, and plus going through the epistles of, uh, of the New Testament. That's how they did it. Does that help? Yes, yes. God yeah. bless you, Paul. Oh, go ahead, Mother Mitch. Yeah, I was just going to say, they, the, the goal is to make sure we hear and read a lot of sacred scripture. This is, uh, they, they, the Vatican Council talked about the pulpit as the first table at Mass where God's Word is given to us as bread that nourishes us. The second table comes in the second half of Mass, which is the Eucharistic table we receive the body and blood of Christ. How long were you in Dallas? I was there six and a half years. Yeah, Christina is in Dallas listening on Guadalupe Radio, and she's called in today. Christina, you're on with Father Mitch. Howdy. Howdy, Dagnabbit. <laughs> <laughs> what can we do for you, Miss Christina? Yes, on January 2nd, the Gospel was from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, starting at verse 19, and a few verses in, it uh, they were quizzing John the Baptist, asking, if, and he said, oh, I'm not the Messiah, and they said, are you Elijah? And he said, no, and they said, are you the prophet? And he said, no. So who is this prophet that they're asking about that's not named? This is a reference to a prediction in the prophet Malachi, chapter 4, verse 5, where it says, Before the great and terrible day of the Lord, Elijah the prophet will come. And so they, the folks understood that before 
that you know at, at the time of the coming of the Lord, this prophet will come before him. And so that's what they're talking about, that passage there. Does that help? Oh, okay, great. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Thank you for calling in. Deacon Francis called in and couldn't stay on the phone. He's in Erie, Pennsylvania, and wants to know, how did Elizabeth know Mary was carrying her Lord? The key thing, uh, Deacon, is to pay attention to what she says. First, the Holy Spirit entered her. She was filled with the Holy Spirit. Secondly, her own baby son, who was six months in the womb, started jumping up and down. And she recognized, because she also had received the Spirit, as had he, that therefore this is the the presence of her Lord. An amazing gift. But this was, um, you know, as we heard earlier from the early call, this was a free gift from God of the Holy Spirit that enabled her to recognize the presence of uh, the Christ in and, you know, sometimes people who are sensitive to the, the spiritual life and especially to God in the spiritual life will recognize uh, the, the presence of evil and of good. Uh, there's, that's a, a gift, and St. Paul even identifies that in 1 Corinthians 12 as a gift of the word of knowledge, that he can give you knowledge you don't have by nature, but you have as a gift. Uh, too often, I think my father might have had that because he would oftentimes show up just before I was about to do something particularly stupid, uh, if not to say bad. And he would be there to stop it. That's that's kind of a gift of knowledge that a lot of parents are given um, and saves their kids' lives. Uh, Steve is in Spokane, Washington, listening today on Sacred Heart Radio. Steve, you're on with Father Mitch. Thank you. Yes. Hey, Father, about a month ago, you were talking to somebody, and you said that there was a word used Mm-hmm. Uh, twice in the Bible that meant to uh, perform an unbloody sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Could you expand on that again, please? Yes, I can. And by the way, it's more than twice. I mentioned a couple passages uh, in there, but there are a lot of passages. And it is the Hebrew word asa, and it means to do. Normally, when the Jewish, or the Israelite priests, they're not Jewish priests, by the way, uh, they're Israelite priests, technically, because Jewish refers to people from the tribe of Judah. While the priests are not Jewish, they're from the tribe of Levi, not Judah. I digress. But when the uh, Levite, when the Levitical priests offered a sacrifice of an animal, using a blood sacrifice, they would always use the word zavach. Zavach is a Hebrew word meaning 
to slaughter. You, you slaughter an animal before you sacrifice it. That's part of what's necessary. You don't offer a live animal and burn a live animal. That would be absolutely forbidden. Um, it, so they would zavach the animal sacrifices, and it means to sacrifice. In fact, um, the word for stove uh, or oven comes from that same verbal root because that's where you cook meat. Um, so that's zavach. But in a, I know of, there may be more, I know of one animal sli- uh, sacrifice where they use the word asa, and that's in Exodus 12 referring to the Passover lamb, interestingly enough. And then, uh, and you don't offer that on the altar, but you do slay it. But they use the word asa, which means to do. And then with mostly non-animal sacrifices, you don't use the word zavach to slaughter uh, because you're not slaughtering them. When you offer bread, wine, oil, incense, a number of other things, you asa, that is, you do the sacrifice. Now, in instituting the Eucharist, our Lord chooses the word, do this in memorial of me or memory of me. And he is using a word that does mean to offer sacrifice, but not animal sacrifice. No, a sacrifice that is not bloody. Does that help? Yes, and so that ties in with the direct, uh, with directly with the institution of the Holy Eucharist Absolutely. on Holy Thursday. Absolutely, yeah. that you know again, Jesus our Lord and His apostles, and other Jews who grew up in a time when sacrifice was a normal part of the daily worship in the temple. And every day there were sacrifices being offered as required by law. And with all that, they uh, were well aware of these technical uh, uh, terms, you know, that they knew the difference. So our Lord chooses a word that means to offer sacrifice, but literally it is the word to do. And when they translated that into Greek, they also used the word do, poien. So that's very clear there. Does that help? Yes, thank you. Yep. All right. God bless. You may want to take a look at a book I wrote uh, called The Eucharist, a Bible study for Catholics. I lay out the verses where you can find the diff- those two different terms being used in their contexts. A couple of open lines for you. We could probably still squeeze in a call or two at 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. You know, um, Al Cresta, the good folks at Cresta in the mm-hmm. afternoon, as well as Teresa Tamio there in Ann Arbor in the mm-hmm. Detroit area, uh, frequently have uh, Dr. Paul Kangor as a guest. Uh, he's one of my favorites, and you guys are going to have a little chat about slavery tonight, huh? Yes, we're against it. <laughs> <laughs> we're against it. Yep. Um, you know, f- 
Dr. Paul Kingor did uh, uh, a really fun work. There was there was a good book written, I think, in the '60s by uh, Father Joseph, uh, uh, no, Joel Joel Panzer, on slavery, and he was laying out how the church had opposed uh, slavery uh, as soon as it could and helped to eradicate it. And when the Atlantic slave trade began uh, in the uh, 15th and uh, 16th centuries, the church put it under automatic excommunication. Father Panzer laid that out. But what Paul Kengor has done is develop the, the same ideas even further and has done uh, uh, an even more thorough understanding of slavery. I bring out a number of Catholic saints who worked to end slavery and to alleviate slavery, as well as slaves who became saints. So that's a, it's, it's a, it's a fine book. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Uh, that's tonight on EWTN Live, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on EWTN Radio and Television. Next up is Joe in the great state of Ohio, listening on Sacred Heart Radio. Joe, you're on with Father Mitch. Hi, good afternoon, Father. How Thank are you? for you? taking my call. Sure. I'm well. So, um, I've been trying to do my own research online and, and uh, everything, and there's not a whole lot of clear, cut, dry answers to this question. And my question is, is it morally permissible or a, acceptable for uh, a practicing Catholic to use medical cannabis or AE, medical marijuana, for uh, medical conditions, particularly my condition would be sleep-related, would be insomnia and sleep mm-hmm. apnea? Sure. You know, the Church allows people to use morphine in circumstances where it's necessary. Morphine is a very addictive drug, but there are legitimate uses for morphine. And that is a a way to understand this. Uh, I would stay very close to um, uh, your uh, doctor, uh, because you, you have to be aware of problems that can occur from using uh, sleep-related medications. Uh, I've even uh, heard doctors, you know, give us warnings about using things like melatonin. There's there's a limit to what you can do, and you, you really do want your body to be able to go to sleep by its own natural processes. But the reality is all medicine is or should be used to help when your body cannot do what it would naturally do. And that would apply to painkilling, so use morphine when you need that. And it would apply to something like medical uh, cannabis Um you know, you just got to be alert, uh, especially to how it's ingested. You know, smoking cannabis um, is, is, I imagine, I'd matter of fact, no, I take that back, I know, 
uh, can be problematic the way smoking cigarettes is problematic. Inhaling smoke is not a good thing. Our lungs aren't made for smoke. There are other ways to get it, but always consult your physician and make sure that you're in, and that when you can get off of that, you you do. Uh, Mike is in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, listening on Holy Family Radio. Mike, you're on with Father Mitch. Hey, Father Mitch. Pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for your uh, priestly service. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, qu- two quick questions here. Um, first thing is, uh, uh, for Sunday Mass, what is the maximum uh, Masses a priest can say? The norm is twice on Sunday. However, there are circumstances... Uh, where a priest may uh, be required to celebrate three masses and even four, you know, if there's a priest sick and he needs to substitute, or uh, you know, certain things can arise. That should not be the norm. Uh, uh, the the priest, uh, you know, may have to say four masses in a day or something. But that should not be more. The norm is two on a Sunday. Um, uh, but in these times where there are fewer priests, uh, sometimes priests have to go to more than one church. And uh, especially in some places. They try, I, I know that in some missionary areas, they'll drive from one place to another. So there's a county near, uh, matter of fact, Talladega County, um, try to get mass in one uh, Childersburg on Saturday, and then on Sunday uh, have mass in Talladega, and then in Silicaga. You know that they, they, they have sometimes have to travel around, but there are times where they might have to travel more, especially if there's a hospital or retreat or something like that. But the norm is two. Does that help? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, that helps. I, I appreciate. I appreciate it, Father. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, one more other thing, real yeah. quick. Um, uh, my wife, a month ago today, exactly had her appendix out, right? And after surgery, she, uh, our priest came in. And it was on a Sunday, as a matter of fact, and came in, gave her knowing and sick, and gave her communion. That's like a communion service, right? That yeah. Would be considered like a yeah. mass. Sure. Sure. I mean, it's not mass, uh, but it, it's a. It's a. It is a communion service. Because he didn't consecrate it then. He consecrated it at church and then brought it to her. That's, again, that's a normal thing for a priest to do, but that's not the same as Mass. Richard is a first-time caller in the great state of North Dakota, listening on Ave Maria Radio online. Richard, you're on with Father Mitch. Well, hello, Father Mitch. I hope you're doing well. I'm doing very well. Um, Thank you. Um, I do have a question about in Genesis where um, Abraham... Two times tells people that mm-hmm. uh, Sarah is his sister. Right. And I'm wondering, did Sarah, one time she was, I think, accepted into a harem. But yes. Did, did she actually have intercourse? No, no. It, it Before that happened, uh, they got a plague. That'll stop that. <laughs> you know, that uh, people getting sick, that seems to... Uh, kill the mood. So, so uh, no, no, she didn't. But, you know, Abraham and Sarah put the promise of a child really at risk. You know, that's, that's a big part of that, but she didn't have that. 
Okay. Okay. Yep. 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 They they pre- prevented that from happening. 833-288-EWTN. That is our regular studio line. And if you will call that line after 4 p.m. Eastern time, uh, you can then leave a message for us on our listener comment line. And then that call might very well become part of a future uh, EWTN open line mailbag program. Uh, So they'll give you all the instructions. They'll just ask you to leave your name where you're calling from. And your question for whichever host you uh, choose to direct it to, but that's after 4 p.m. Um, Eastern time. Just call the regular, um, the regular um, studio line, and that number is 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. And if you're outside the United States and Canada, you too can leave a message as well. Your number is 1-205-271-2985. And we'll even put you straight to the front of the line. Quickly, we'll head to Christopher driving through North Dakota listening on Real Presence Radio. Christopher, just about a minute left with Father Mitch. What's your question? Father Mitch, thank you for taking my call, sir. So I think that according to Scripture... First Peter chapter three verse fifteen always be ready to give an account for the blessed hope that's in you means that we're supposed to be able to tell anybody why it is we believe in Jesus and that story's not the same from one to another. We know what Paul's story was; it was miraculous. We also know from Scripture that Timothy believed because his faith came from his grandmother through his mother to him. Right. My what, what, what's your? You have to get to your question quick because we're running low on time. Don't, do we think that we could be more effective sharing? Our testimony. Mm-hmm. A couple things. It you have to pay attention to the people you are addressing. Sometimes your personal testimony may be more to the point, but other times they have important questions that need to be answered, and you have to be adaptable, fast on your feet, and willing to answer their questions and or give your testimony. Father, would you leave us with a blessing? Sure. Lord, bless you all and keep you. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. On behalf of our host, Father Mitch Packwell, our producer, Charles Beery, call screener Matt Kubensky and our social media maven, Mr. Ace McKay. I'm Jack Williams. Thanks so much for tuning in. Back at it tomorrow with Father Brian Malady. Until then, God bless.